Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the channel. Happy and blessed Tuesday, and welcome to episode 461 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the Gran Turismo box office and, of course, Blue Beetle, which is still a massive box office flop. This past Monday, getting a whopping $223 per screen. You heard that correctly, $223 per screen. Now making less than a million dollars a day. Now, I'm sure that there is definitely an argument that could be made that, well, Sunday was a massive day for the box office because it was National Cinema Day, which meant that you got a bunch of $4 tickets to every single film, almost every single format in the theaters that were actually participating. And so... Therefore, everyone went to go see a movie on that day, and therefore, there's not a whole lot of people that are going to be seeing it on a Monday following that event. That very well could be true. However, all of the other numbers and all the other data that we have in front of us is quite clear that Blue Beetle is still a massive flop. Apparently, also now, there are a bunch of people going after members of the FNT crew for being quote-unquote ist and phobes. Who's to say? Whether or not these are actual people or whether this is just, you know, bot farms or just a bunch of angry, angry, crazy people online. Who knows? It could be a mixture of all of those things. But we'll talk about it. We'll talk about the box office. We'll also talk a little bit about the Equalizer 3's box office because it is coming out. It is coming out this week. I have my ticket to go see it. At least I think I have my ticket to go see it. If I don't have it yet, then I'm planning on it as I was finally able to see all of the Equalizer films this past year. And so it is a film that I wouldn't say it's on my most anticipated list, but it is one that has a at least some potential to be good, I think. Or at least I very much hope so. And so we will also talk about that. And lastly, there is now an update to channel memberships. So I will go into detail about that probably towards the end of the stream. So if you want to become a channel member, I now have revamped those channel memberships. And I've also added a new membership on the YouTube side of things. So if you have any interest in those things, again, click on that join button and become a member on the channel today. Before any further, though, please make sure you smash that like button. Lab that fire button. Honestly, smash the rumble button as well. Let's go ahead and say hello to the people in the chat. First, we got King Kane Rumshki hanging out over on Rumble, always holding down the fort over there. And he says, does this mean you won't be reviewing the Meg 2? King Kane Rumshki, I know, I know, I've seen your comments before and every stream you, you typically bring it up, but I, I thought it was quite clear that I was never going to be seeing the Meg 2. Granted, I did have a ticket at one point to go see it, and I did cancel at the last minute because I wasn't feeling too great, but... Regardless of that, yeah, I have no real interest in the Meg 2, so if eventually it does come out, and it will, of course, come out on streaming, maybe I'll catch it, but I thought the first one was fun. There was no need for there to be a second one. Like, just no need what uh, you know whatsoever. So, all right, let's go ahead and say hello to the people in the YouTube chat first. At 2.33 today, so quite early on, pretty much after the event was created, General Wingster says, Hello, sir, I received your package. However, once I saw it, I kept seeing Boondock Saints... In my head, there was a firefight. Great film. Great scene of that film. We got Orange Chat Reviews, who was here early as well, saying hello, everybody. And make sure you follow the rules. Make sure if you have a comment or question, you put at Odin. At the very beginning of comment, at Odin. Let's know that you're trying to get my attention. And I do appreciate it. Helps me stay sane as well. Please also don't spam or be a jerk. It's pretty, yeah, it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty easy. 
It's pretty easy over here in the Asgardian community. We have one of the best chats in the world, I would say. And I do. We got Keely Chow in the chat. What's going on? Keely says, how are you? Baby Thor Freya doing? We're doing just fine. Uh, Baby Thor is still hanging out in his big boy room, right? He's just recently, uh, you know, gotten used to it, gotten warmed up to it. So tonight, actually getting him to sleep was 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 not as hard. Now, when I say getting him to sleep, I mean, you know, getting him in his bed, not not crying or, you know, being sad that the, that the day and the fun is over, right? Because uh, obviously, he takes, sometimes he takes hours to fall asleep. It's kind of the nature of of, of being a toddler, especially when you're in a new room with all the fancy stuff going on. So, but thank you for asking. And the Lady Freya is doing well. Getting real. Getting real. We're only really a few weeks out from, from baby girl coming into the world. So, we'll talk about that uh, with because that very much is tied into some of the changes in memberships. Forever Sci-Fi in the chat. What is going on? General Wingster also spelling out the spam. He is just wanting to test the waters there. <laughs> Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington. What's going on, Gary? Says hello from the UK to you and all your chatters. Well, thank you very much, Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington, for always hanging out. I know it's quite late where you are, or quite early. I guess it depends on how you look at things. Ryan Liu tried to say, do you think that Mission Impossible 7 Part 2... Thank you, meant Mission Impossible 7 and Red... Mission Impossible 7 Dead Reckoning Part 2. Get it right. (laughs) Uh, Do you think that it'll get pushed because they were not wrapping filming yet? I know that most of it was shot at the same time. But obviously, it is still a different, separate movie, and so there's going to be things that are going to be switched. There are things that are going to be changed. So ultimately, I think it's possible. We've seen so many films already get pushed this year, and the further along that these strikes get, the much more likely that you'll start to get... I mean, we're already seeing the films that were scheduled for you know the October to November slots get pushed. Do not be surprised if, if we get another month into this. You start to see that creep into the January-February and then it's not too far after that that you eventually get into some of the summer films. The only thing that I can think of that would keep it there is because I don't know the exact weekend that Mission Impossible 7 Dead Reckoning Part, Part 2 is is scheduled for. But my guess is that they've already got it on the books on a what they deem to be perfect weekend. And they obviously are going to be trying to make sure that it's not going to be crowded with other films. And that they're going to get access to premium format screens for as long as they possibly can as well. So... That's why I could see them pushing it back for that very reason. I could also see them, you know, holding on to their spot as well. So we'll have to wait and see. I hope they don't push it back. It's already sad enough that Dune got, got pushed, but it's all going to depend on how long this strike actually goes. Uh, Jacobite Wiseman, what's going on? He says, hello from a Scots-Irish from Missouri. Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, how about a hockey player? What is going on? Master of Gaming in the chat. Jay Price, hail to you. Gump3PO, what's going on? Psychotic Mongoose. That's quite a name right there. What's going on, Psychotic Mongoose? The goose is loose. Says hello. General Wingster says, Odin Gran Turismo is a video game about space cars intended for teenagers. Is it? Is it about space cars? I thought it was about actual cars. That was one of the interesting things about the movie itself for those that have not seen it or don't know much about it, is that it's based off of, of course, a game. And the history of that game is that the creator took a lot of time and a lot of effort to study how cars move, how cars feel, to give the players of the game the most realistic experience to actually driving, you know, these these types of cars, you know, these types of race cars. And I thought that was just a really cool concept because that's stuff that I didn't know because I'm not a major video game player, let alone a Gran Turismo player as well. So I thought that was actually very interesting. And then the story, again, this is based off a true story, 
is that you had actually this this campaign done to take the best players of the game in the world, have them compete to race actual cars, and basically to see what happened. And and sure enough, it did happen, and there there was a success with it. So I thought that was quite interesting. Obviously, the movie is still one of those, you know, based on real events, and so some things are going to be dramatized, some things are going to be changed, but to have the fact that the core story ultimately is, yeah, a guy who played video games who never drove in any professional way, really, realistically, was able to get behind the wheel of one of these massive, you know, fast, quick, crazy, powerful cars and was was actually able to be successful. Again, that that's just very, it's just very impressive. Let's see. Jacobite says, ready to fight like a berserker against desecrators and dinosaur cryptids. Interesting. Uh, Keck44, what is going on? Hail to you. Great Wuda in the chat. What's up, Great Wuda? IMJMS is in the chat. Nick Braun, what's going on, Nick? Welcome back. Rob D, time to say, do you think Dune Part 2 being delayed is a good decision for its box office? It's hard to say because ultimately it's moving from a, a slot that is already hit and miss. There's no guaranteed... We- Here's the thing that I think sometimes people forget. There's no such thing as a guaranteed weekend at the box office, right? This is the same reason why you've had so-called box office experts go out of their way to say, well, historically, X weekend has not been good. Well, if you put out a good movie or a movie that's able to, to, to push its word of mouth to such a degree that has never been seen before, right? That, that, that you know, to, to be able to be successful in that way, to be able to drive audiences out... Even a, you know, historically bad weekend can become a historic or rather can become a good weekend. That's why it always makes me laugh whenever there are these articles that come out typically from, you know, people like Tony and Nancy, good old Nance and Tony over at Deadline, where they'll say, oh, this is a record breaking weekend for X. When just last year they would have been saying, well, this weekend's never been great anyway, right? It's, it's always that narrative, right? Trying to control that narrative. So when it's a movie that they like or a movie that they want to defend, They'll they'll say, well, you know, historically this this weekend's a tough sell, but when a film does you know exceptionally well and it's a film that they again they they want to just kind of try to pump up and everything, all of a sudden they'll be like, this is the highest grossing weekend for a first Wednesday of a first Thursday of a first month of the year in twenty thousand years. Like they'll come up with some crazy stat, and ultimately, again, what it comes down to is, sure, on paper you could say summertime movies are on average more successful because there's more people off, there's more free time. But guess what? There are flops that come out over the summer too, and there are flops that come out that are not necessarily the biggest budgets in the world either. So I think that when it comes, getting back to the main question, do I think that it's going to impact their box office? Not really. Because I think no matter when it comes out, the Dune box office is going to be what it is. You already have a group of people who I don't think are going to be that large, to be perfectly honest, who are going to see the film, who are excited for the film. I'm a part of that group, but I also want to be realistic here because the first film's box office was not all that impressive for the kind of scope of the film that it is. You know, it's the scope and it is shot as a massive blockbuster and it was not making massive blockbuster money. I do not suspect that that part two is going to be able to do that either. So I think whether it's getting released you know, fall of this year or whether now it's getting released closer to, you know, spring of next year is, is relatively a moot point because I can think of, Hey, guess what? You had a film like Captain Marvel came out in March of its year and made a billion dollars. 
you have other films that have, have also come out in March too that have not made a billion dollars. So again, it's going to be what it's going to be. And I honestly, at this point, don't think that Dune is going to be the biggest moneymaker in the world. Even though I'm excited for it and anyone who is aware of it or who was already predisposed to, to liking it or wanting to go see it, I, I just don't think it's going to bring in a lot of new people. That's just my own thought, though. Let's see. General Wingster, who's a member, says, Well, Jeremy is a shillist. I invented this word, patent coming momentarily. Well, hey, good luck to you. <laughs> good luck to you. Gigan Rumsky over on Rumble says, Is Clint Eastwood in Gran Turismo? Wrong movie, Kid Kane Rumsky. Wrong film. Now, that would be a fantastic collaboration. No, I would... What am I thinking? Uh, a fantastic... What am I thinking? A mashup. That's what I'm thinking of. That'd be amazing uh, as a mashup. Having, you know, Gran Torino and Gran Turismo combined together. That would be quite amazing. Have the race car driver instead be Clint Eastwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get off my track. That'd be great. Instead of it being this young up-and-comer video game player, it's this old. <laughs> I guess you could still have him play video games because I kind of want to see Clint Eastwood with a controller. Like, I don't know. I think that'd be great. Let's see. Laura, the modern major general story, says, I feel stupid that I didn't know Dune was going to be a trilogy. Well, the last I had heard was that Denis Villeneuve plans, wants it to be a trilogy. But it depends on how the film does. So that was the last I had heard was it's not officially going to be one, but rather that Denis Villeneuve, if he gets studio backing and he will only get studio backing if this part two is successful. And as I said, I think it's going to do okay. I don't think it's going to do massive numbers though. And so I think that when you, when you take that into account, we could see them justify making Dune into a trilogy, but... <laughs> It's going to depend on how much money it gets. You know, it's going to depend on how much money it gets. And and she clarifies that it feels stupid. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, though, he is not turning the single first Dune book into three movies. The first Dune book is going to be parts one and two. But then he wants to make a third film that's going to be, I think, Dune Messiah. So at the very least, we can say at least he's not trying to stretch this one book out into three movies. <clears throat> Peter Jackson. <clears throat> And instead has made it into two. And the, the book is long. The first book is, I think, long enough to where you could justify it. I think where they ended the first movie was a very weird spot. I don't think that was the best spot to do that, to, to, to have the films, to have the story stop. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But that being said, at least we know the third film. And again, this is just what, what's been reported and what the plan that of what Denis Villeneuve wants to do with the story is he wants to make a third film, but that's going to be specifically Messiah, last I heard. All right. We also have a super... Oh, man, no. We've got a donation via Streamlabs coming in from Low Watermark. Low Watermark just dropped a 50. Just dropped a 50 or a 50. Donation via Streamlabs. YouTube ain't getting none of that cash. Thank you very much for that $50 donation, man. He says, Odin is not an ist or phobe. Phoebe? Nah. <laughs> also, the way that it's spelled, it makes it seem like it says fob. So, Odin is not an ist or a fob. Phoebe? Phoebe? Nah. Yeah, you know, it's the, I always appreciate that. And I guess, again, I'm also very happy, to be frank, that whenever these articles come out, whenever these, these hit pieces come out, 
typically against like the FNT crowd or against just general people in our in our community, I tend to be left off the list. It makes me one very humbled because it's like, hey, yeah, I'm I'm a small channel and I'm comfortable with that. I've always enjoyed the size of the channel. I've always uh, enjoyed my ability to be able to you know to handle the you know <laughs> the limited amount of content that I actually can put out with my job and with my family and everything. I try to get my priorities always, you know, always straight and always in, in order, in proper order. So it is always fun though, just to like <laughs> see, unfortunately these, these hit pieces come out again, they don't really do anything really at all to us because we already know that they're based on nothing but lies, misinformation, and just a lot of unhappy brainwashed slash mentally ill people out there, especially in the media. So, Lowell Waterback, thank you very much for that very generous donation, man. I appreciate it. And yes, I, I want to keep that as fob. Yes, I am not a fob. <laughs> Master of Gaming, what's going on? It says, why are people calling FNT instant phobes? Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the other channels have already kind of covered it, but uh, essentially it comes comes down to coverage of Blue Beetle. And again, it's it's just nonsense. Gary Banjo said, the words did say, watch the film Nefarious. It was good. It really is, right? I mean, again, it's not the greatest film of all time. It's not anything revolutionary except for the fact that it was able to actually be made. Like, all the stuff they had to go through, obviously, it was very difficult for them to get the film made. But the fact that they did, and the fact that it was as polished as it was, when if you really just sit back and think about the parties that are involved and, and the story that it's telling... It had no right to be as good as it was. And you all know this, right? Fedigator, I know that he was a big proponent of it, and there's been a couple others too. You know, they were in the chat for months leading up to it saying, hey, have you heard about this movie? Hey, you need to watch this movie. You need to check this thing out. And I was thinking to myself, like, look, I- I've-, I've looked at the basics of it, and it just doesn't seem like my cup of tea, right? Initially, it was, all right, this is about a possession. I stay away from those things. And then it was clarified to say, well, it's not really the, the the typical Hollywood standardized possession movie. It's more of a psychological thriller. And I'm like, yeah, but now I'm hearing that, okay, you know, Glenn Beck and and all these other parties are involved. So it just makes it sound like it's it's not going to be good. You know, I, I try and stay away from most faith-based movies, faith-based studios, because most of the time, it's not the rule. Sound of Freedom is a great example of that. But of course, we always have to clarify, that's not a faith-based movie. It was made by produced by, I should say, 20th Century Fox back when it existed and then was taken up by Angel Studios. But still, obviously, it is still going to be a huge win for Angel Studios. But typically, when it comes to those movies that come out, that get released, and the people that were in charge of Nefarious were were both people that had been at some point involved with The God's Not Deads and, and these other films that, again... They, they mean well, the intention is, is, is in the right place, but they just typically don't produce good films. All of that going against it, and yet Nefarious ended up being just so solid, so impactful, and, and just, it, it really honestly moved me in such a way. And I've mentioned this previously, it moved me so much that, that I've, I've, I've considered seeing, hey, if I can find a way to integrate even some of the film, if not all of it, but probably only some of it just because of the restrictions of, of class time and things like that, I would actually want to integrate it into my classroom because it is one of the most accurate depictions of possession, one of the most accurate portrayals of demonic, uh, basically about theology and philosophy surrounding uh, angels and demons, just very, very accurate in, in that portrayal. And Sean Patrick Flannery, 
Again, shout out to Sean Patrick Flannery. And again, going back to General Winkster's comment, right? Because you see Sean Patrick Flannery and you're like, oh man, all I think about is, you know, Boondock Saints and the other work that he's done, but primarily Boondock Saints. And and you look at the performance that he gives in that and it's completely different from anything he's ever done before, at least that I've that I've seen. Very, very different than, you know, one of the McManus brothers from Boondock Saints, of course. And it, it just, it's so incredibly moving and the scene that always gets me and i think i mentioned this on uh, uh carrie's channel on on deprogrammed and it was how one of the scenes that moved me the most was him going back and forth john patrick flannery going back and forth between the human and the demon character and the and the reason why is because there's this very moving scene where all that the guy wants, all that the human wants is a cheeseburger. And he's like, this is very important to me. I really want this. And he's just giving this great emotional performance. And then on a dime switches over to the demon character, completely different disposition, different speech pattern, everything. Oh, such a, (laughs) just such a powerful moment. And if you've not seen Nefarious, I highly recommend it. It is now available on, on Blu-ray, physical media, etc. I've, I've given out several copies of this already. And it is, again, just phenomenal. Highly, highly recommend it. And also, it's also not too expensive. Like for physical media, you can get this thing now for like $12, $13 on Amazon. I think that's well worth it. Abomination hanging out over on Odyssey. What is going on, brother? Welcome back. Welcome back. Rotax Hippie. What is going on? Hanging out over on Rumble. And again, if you have a comment or question, just put at Odin, the very beginning comment, at Odin. Let's me know they're trying to get my attention. I do appreciate it. Nick Brown, what's going on again? Hail to you. Uh, Steven, what is going on? Says, how was your weekend? Did you take advantage of the $4 ticket prices with the family on Sunday? My movie theater was packed with almost all movie showtimes. That's awesome, dude. No, I didn't. I think I mentioned this last week, too. I probably wasn't going to be able to, and sure enough, I wasn't. Uh, as I said, weekends tend to be family time. We, we typically spend time together at home as a family. And Baby Thor is not old enough yet to go to an actual theater. He he loves movies, and he does very well, like surprisingly well, especially attention span-wise with movies. But ultimately, being in that kind of environment, we just don't think he's quite ready for that yet. He'll probably be ready sooner than, than some other kids might be. Um, but I also, too, want to make sure that when he goes to a theater, I want it to be a great film. So his first movie at a theater, I just... It, it's very likely not going to be anything new if I have any power over that. Cause obviously like, let's say he gets invited to like a birthday party or something, right? Obviously then that's going to be, you know, out of my hands to some extent, right? You know, if it's a movie where it's like, no, I don't want him to see it. Well then obviously I'll, now I'll have to step in, but most likely not. But if, again, if I have any control over it, I would want it to be a really good movie. So like a classic film and typically those are shown like over the summer, Right, just a classic animated film or something to that extent. That I think would be a really cool thing just to, to be able to 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 experience. But no, I was not able to do that. Uh, I'm glad for anyone that was able to take advantage of the four dollar tickets, though. It sounds like it was very successful based on the numbers. Um, there are reports out about the number of people, the number of tickets that were sold, and it sounded very impressive. By the way, please make sure to smash the like button and share out the stream as well. Thank you very much to the 47 people who are watching today. I know last stream people were talking about having notification issues, so please do share it out if you can. Let's see. Your average Patriot nerd, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. 
Hardwick back in the chat says, I watched the trailer for Rebel Moon. If I didn't know any better, I would have assumed that the director was Denis Villeneuve. It looks and feels like a carbon copy of his style. And that's where I would disagree. No, it's just very clearly Zack Snyder because Zack Snyder is all style and no substance. I, again, Denis Villeneuve is an artiste. You, you could even throw around the very snobbish word of auteur. Uh, Zack Snyder is a hack. He has always been a hack. And yeah, the, the trailer for Rebel Moon, I immediately was like, okay, yeah, this is just going to be yet another typical Zack Snyder film of just complete and other garbage. All right, let's see. J.S. Pena says, ahoy, ahoy. Welcome back. Abomination, what's going on? <laughs> I just saw the gasp. All right, are you, are you gasping because I, I called Zack Snyder a hack? Well, well, he is. Scott McKenzie, what is going on? Welcome back, Scott McKenzie. Kimberly G, what is going on, Kimberly G? Welcome back. Glad to always have you in the chat. The Morak hanging out too. Thank you very much for the tag. Says, hey, my son and I are planning on seeing Gran Turismo this weekend. Hey, I, I think that y'all will enjoy it. Um, I don't know how old your son is. Uh, I, I would say that it, it's if it's a teenage teenage son, I think it's definitely appropriately uh, appropriate to go see it. It's one of these few films that doesn't have actually a whole lot of, of of like sexual stuff in it, which was very refreshing because I feel like so many films have kind of had that. There's some language in there, but I do think that it is it is definitely more tempered than than some other films. I'm trying to remember if there was an f bomb. I think if I think if there is, there's one in the movie. Um, I know that there's guides out there though that that kind of go through that. But again, that's obviously assuming if your if your son is. Uh, is, is younger <laughs> if we're talking about an adult son here then obviously you know now be careful what you bring your 20 year old to okay <laughs> it is good it is just good though to to be able to know those things before going in though that you have some mild language in the film but for the most part yeah it's pretty solid stuff let's see jacob wiseman says is there using the lord's name in vain language in this movie which one uh, again, I always need context there, Jacobite, because I fall behind in the chat. So if you say this movie, we've probably talked about several films since you've posted that comment. So that means nothing to me. Uh, Jerry Zakowski can I say, I don't mind waiting. Godzilla vs. Kong. Godzilla X Kong for extra month. It might do better in a uh, month of April than the month of March. Plus we got Godzilla minus coming out December. Yeah, is Godzilla minus the one where it's it's not going to be a part of the Godzilla versus Kong universe, right? Um, I, I as you all know, I am not impressed by those movies at all. I, I just don't think that they're very good. I know that some people really enjoy watching giant CGI creatures fight each other. I'm not one of those persons. So is that what the Godzilla X Kong is? Because I have just, again, I have no desire to see that movie. Oh, man. Let's see. Sumo Orange. What's going on? Tana say, it's a shame that Gran Turismo isn't making more money. It had, a, it had a substantial ad campaign. Well, Sumo, we'll talk about that. We'll actually go ahead and, and move over to talking about that now, since you brought it up. So thank you for that, for that amazing segue. So let's talk about the box office a little bit. So, yes, I see what you're talking about here, though. So... Obviously, when it comes to Gran Turismo, it's not making massive money. As you can see, on its first Monday after its initial release, it dropped 76%. So that is quite a uh, that is quite a steep drop. Now, what has to be said, though, is look at the similar percentage drop-off that you see for all of the other films. 
right? So if this was something where it was the only film or one of the few films seeing this kind of drop, okay, then you would maybe have a point as far as, like, again, the early, early indications of the daily box office. But look at what happened with Barbie. Barbie also dropped 74%. Oppenheimer dropped 66%. Blue Beetle, as you can see, definitely not nearly as strong of a hold as those other ones. 84% for Blue Beetle TMNT at 85%. So this is just, again, something that is not all that surprising. Because remember, Sunday was National Cinema Day. So you did see a bit of an increase in the overall ticket sales, right? Go ahead and look at this number, right? Barbie increased 5%. Blue Beetle actually increased 32%. That's also why you saw such a massive drop from Sunday to Monday as well. Gran Turismo saw a 14% increase from its previous day. So what that tells us is that that was clearly a pretty successful campaign, a pretty successful day, and it seems to have been much more geared towards kids, right? What this tells me, the fact that you have Blue Beetle, Gran Turismo, and TMNT being the ones that have, you know, some of the biggest percentages of increases, that the people that were going to see the movies in a much higher level were families. And it makes sense. When you can take a family out and only spend $4 on every single ticket, hey, guess what? That 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 is going to be a good deal. It's going to be the best deal that you're going to get really all year. I know that's been, it's, it's actually funny because one of the online uh, uh, Twitter uh, profiles, or X profiles, I guess you could say, I mean, I'm still going to call it Twitter, but I think it's exhibition uh, films or something like that. They, they report box office numbers and they kept putting out things like, hey, we should make this a more than a once a year thing. Right. And I think there's actually a lot of truth to that. Right. Imagine if you had at least a few times a year this kind of campaign. It clearly increases the number of people going to see your movies. And even though your overall profits might not be as high as if you were charging ten dollars, you, you got to kind of read the room right? You kind of got to be able to look at all this and say, well, wait a minute. Yes, we're not making as much technically, but would we really have made that much more if we never had this, right? So it's a huge success. And I think that this should be a huge sign to Hollywood. Hey, you know what? Maybe we should do this a little bit more often. Maybe we should actually try to, to push this forward a bit more. And hey, maybe we need to have a conversation about the massive ticket prices. Because theaters can only control ticket prices to a certain degree. right? This is something where it's the studio and the theaters that are going to be working through. Especially when it comes down to the percentage that the studios are going to be taking. Because as you all know, this is something that I've covered for a long time. When I worked at AMC, and obviously this is prior to COVID... And again, shout out to Valiant Renegade. I know he's talked a lot about how a lot of these deals and a lot of these... Uh, procedures changed over COVID because of streaming. And again, a lot of what he says makes a lot of sense. But I'm also looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, well, this is also, to me, an indicator that there probably is still a huge influence of studio on the box office as far as total returns go. When I worked at the theater, when you had an opening weekend, typically you would have the studio be taking around 90% or so, right? 90% or so of those sales, right? The first week or two, typically speaking, the split would between the theaters and the studios would be about 90-10. And the reason why is because, one, the theater wants to make, rather the studio wants to make sure it gets as much money as possible. And obviously the first two weekends are going to be when it gets the highest volume of moviegoers. 
but also that's also what helps you to recognize and explain why theaters charge so much money for their popcorn and soft drinks. Because again, initially the biggest volume of people they get, guess what? Yeah, they're getting pennies on the dollar on ticket sales, but they're making bank because of how much extra profits, insane levels of profits, in fact, they would be getting on popcorn and soft drinks, right? So you look at all those things, you look at all of those factors, and so I look at this and I think to myself, okay, if this is something that obviously is being done once a year, but there really isn't a whole lot of conversation outside of like the media space about, hey, maybe we should do this more often or maybe we should try to push this more, to me that tells me, well, again, theaters could make ticket prices be a lot less, but that would still mean, guess what? The, the studio is going to be saying, all right, this is the amount of money that we expect. And that's the reason why you're not going to see that happen. Because again, uh, the, the studios are going to want their money. And then the theaters, they also still need to make some money off of those ticket sales, even if they're still making massive profits off of popcorn and drinks. But obviously something needs to be done because what this shows you is, guess what? More people will go to the actual physical theater location if 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 the ticket prices go down. Now, you obviously have to add to that the fact that you did have Jurassic Park. I do think this is funny looking at uh, this release over on the numbers because this is release day 11,035 for uh, Jurassic Park because of the re-release here. So that film made $608,000. So look at that per theater ratio. It's more impressive than some other films too. So I, I look at that and I think, okay, just do that more often, right? Have a few times throughout the year where you say, all right, we're going to drop the prices of all tickets and then we're also going to re-release a lot of classics. Because what this shows us is that, guess what? There are a lot of people that are wanting to and desiring to go see some of the classics on the big screen, but they don't want to spend the insane amount of money, right? Now, going back further into the box office numbers, again, because Gran Turismo's budget was not nearly as high as some of the others, it was half the budget of Blue Beetle, in fact, and the visual effects of Gran Turismo, since many of them are practical, look infinitely better than Blue Beetle's. Uh, the sad reality is that it just is not making a whole lot of money. Now, I do have this on auto-refresh, and so whether the numbers are completely, perfectly up-to-date or not, um, I'm not entirely sure. Let's see, $55 million. Okay, so it looks like it is. So at $55 million as of the recording of this stream, it's $56 million in the red. So that's not insurmountable, right? That That is not impossible for them to be able to make up. And right now it's too early, right? We, we go back to that Monday number. Again, it's that 76% drop on that Monday. That That's not great, right? But with the connection and with the context that, well, it's the day after Cinema Day when you had $4 tickets across the country and then you're also seeing a 74% drop for Barbie, which is the biggest, you know, still the biggest, you know, moneymaker at the box office right now. Okay. We won't really know until we get the Tuesday, Wednesday numbers, right? We won't really know until things start to normalize a little bit because of, of those smaller numbers. Or rather, sorry, because of those higher than usual numbers of people going to the cinema on Sunday. Because I think it was Deadline who was running with an article essentially talking about that the, the, you know, we had millions of people showing up to the theater over the, you know, over the course of that Sunday itself. So again, very, very impressive feat there, but it still has a lot of, it still has a lot of work to do. So at this point, it's still too early to tell whether or not it's going to break even. 
as, as I mentioned in my box office breakdown, breakdown from this past weekend, because this did already get an early release internationally. It's not going to be possible for me to do my typical projections as far as, you know, uh, the likelihood after the first two weeks, because we don't have a full two first two weeks to work with in the case of this movie. But of course we, we will continue to track it as it continues to be released. And right now it's, you know, almost at one times its budget. So it, it's getting close to that number. It needs to make around 150 million or so to break even again with typical marketing cost. And based on the trailers and based on the marketing, it seems like it's what typical marketing would be for a film like it. Um, I, I suspect that again, it's possible but it's also not the greatest start. It's not the best start. It's not the start that I think they would have hoped for. It's probably better than they were expecting, but obviously they would want this to be a bit higher than what it is. So that is the numbers right now for Gran Turismo. I do think that there is a good chance for it to be able to, again, hit a hit a stride, hit a mark, because it is getting some positive word of mouth. I do think that reviews from people like The Critical Drinker had a huge impact on people going to see it opening weekend and giving it a chance, giving it a shot. And I hope that, you know, my voice and my review are able to add to that. I, I just think that it's such a rare thing in today's marketplace and in today's theater, you know, release schedule for us to get just a a good, like a solidly made movie that has no agenda or messaging. And And notice how I describe that because this is not simply to say, and I think this is the worst defense of any movie in the world, and you know that this always drives me nuts. Whenever anyone says, well, it's not woke, well, it's not woke, okay, just just, just, just stop, all right? <laughs> just stop. That, that, that should not ever be the criteria for whether we go to see a movie or not. The, the first criteria should be, is it good? All right, Let, let's start off there. So again, for Gran Turismo, it's a solid movie, so it's a solidly made film, that also happens to not be woke. That also happens to be telling a good story with positive male role models, which seems to be a very rare thing in movies and media these days. And I think that's such an important thing for us to, you know, to to support. So if you like cars, if you don't like cars, I'm not a big cars person. I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was fun. Not the best film in the world. Not the best film that I've ever seen, but a solid, solidly made movie. A solid, solid film that I think is worth seeing. And if you're going to see it, I think it is worth seeing on the big screen. But that's just my opinion. What say you? Head back into the chat. We got King Kane Rumsky over on Rumble saying, will there be a weekend in 2023 with no new movies in the theaters because of the strikes? Um, Honestly, I, I'm honestly just not aware. I don't really, I don't have the release schedule memorized. I can barely keep up with what's coming out on any given week. We might get to a point, though, where that could potentially happen as far as no major releases. I think that has to be the key there is that we're always going to have new movies because people forget there are just hundreds and hundreds of films that get released every single year. But not many or not as many of them are going to be wide releases, meaning that they're getting released in thousands of screens across the country. So you could have a weekend where you don't have any wide releases, but... Again, it's hard to say. Even in a regular year, you might have a weekend. For instance, this coming weekend, there's only one new wide release. right? There's only one new wide release, and that's Equalizer 3. You have a ton of other films, though, that are set to come out. Just to give you an idea of, of just how many films come out in a given year or weekend. This is this, okay, this is this coming weekend, everybody. So this is coming from the numbers. So as you can see, Equalizer 3, this is the only wide release for this weekend. 
But look at all of these other films that are coming out. Now, again, these are coming out in one theater, two theaters, five theaters, streaming. I mean, there's so many different places that, that these films are going to be coming out. But they're, again, they're limited in, in their release schedule. So this is an example of just one new release. You go to the next weekend, you got two new releases, right? Still also a lot of limiteds, but you have two with My Big Fat Creek Wedding 3 and The Nun 2. That's quite a combo. Could we get ourselves another Barbenheimer situation with The Nun and My Big Fat Greek Nun? There we go. Two, sorry. My Big Fat Greek Nun 2. (laughs) Or something like that. It doesn't roll off the tongue nearly as well as Barbenheimer does. And then you have a single wide release with The Haunting in Venice. And then you have Expendables. Expendables. Oh, man. They're actually spelling it that way, too. So we had Fanforstick. Now we have Expendables. So that's the only wide release. And then the next major weekend we have of three wide releases is September 29th, which would be The Creator, Paw Patrol, and then Saw 10. So, again, hopefully get an understanding as to why... You know, is there a chance that there's not going to be a wide release? There's a chance, but there's just so many films that get released any year. And also, a studio could say, hey, because there's now no new releases set to come out wide this weekend, one of our limited films, we're just going to make it a wide release. Again, that's something that could also happen too. So it's it's hard to say one way or the other with that one. Let's see, Abomination over on... Honestly, says, yeah, theaters need to show the old goodies to show people what they missed out on. Also to show people that might prefer the old movies over the new films. Absolutely. Like, like for instance, this past weekend, and actually I didn't even check it, but this past weekend there was a re-release of The Little Mermaid, and it was the sing-along version. The problem, though, is that it was the new film. It was the live action. And, oh boy, oh goodness, (laughs) look at that. So they re-released The Little Mermaid, $44,000. So so just, just for a bit of framework here, okay? Jurassic Park, day 11,036. Again, this film came out in the, in the 90s, Jurassic Park. $161,000. They re-released Little Mermaid, and it made 44000 Okay? So obviously, hey, guess what? That's a huge increase from what it was because it was it was it was done so right. But they made twenty eight. <laughs> I didn't even see this one. Oh goodness, twenty eight dollars. They made twenty eight dollars per screen. Twenty eight dollars. Oh, and that's and that, and that again is that just for is that just for Sunday? That's actually that, sorry. That's the Monday box office. Sorry, sorry, my bad. Let me go to the weekend box office. Let's let's be fair, okay? Let's be fair. All right? Because this, this could change things a little bit. Not, not a whole lot. All right, so Jurassic Park. Okay, Jurassic Park for the weekend. Here we go. Jurassic Park for the weekend, 1.7 million. That sounds a bit, a bit better. That sounds actually a bit more accurate to me. All right? So week 1,500, 1.7 million dollars. Jurassic Park coming back in theaters. Little Mermaid? Six hundred and six thousand, three hundred seventy-eight dollars per screen. Now, here's what I would love Disney to have done. Obviously, Disney would never do this, right? Disney would clearly never do this. But imagine if this weekend they decided to release both Little Mermaids back in theater, the classic 
animated and the new live action. And they could both be the sing-along version. I would be so curious to see which one would win. I have a pretty good guess. I, I have a pretty strong you know, guess and a pretty strong choice of what I think would win in that head-to-head battle. Clearly, I would think that the classic film would. But man, oh man, wouldn't that be interesting? Disney, if you got anybody listening, I doubt that you do, because again, small channel here, no problems with that. But hey, if anyone at Disney ever does hear it, I would love for you to actually, and you know what, Disney, go ahead and do that for all your films. I would love for you to do a re-release of every live-action film, every live-action ad- re-adaptation, re-ima- quote-unquote reimagining that you have done the last 10 years or so, and put them up against their animated counterparts just to see which one audiences would prefer. I would love to see that. Then you could start to have even more fun combinations. You could say, okay, we're going to put out Star Wars A New Hope, and we're going to put that one up against The Force Awakens. I wonder which one is going to make more money. Just something to think about, Disney, because that actually could actually cause people to have interest in you. Again, keep this in mind. There are so many people who are like, I want nothing to do with Disney. Think about how many of them might, not all, but how many of them might say, wait a minute, Disney's doing a test? Okay, I'll go see this movie. You could end up actually making money from people that hate you because you put out a classic film from a much better era of Hollywood. Hey, who knows? Just just kind of tossing that idea around. I feel like you're leaving millions on the table there. Again, Jurassic Park, which has been out and gotten re-released countless times, was still able to make $1.7 million. And again, that, that's right up there with films that are brand new from this year. That, that have not been out nearly as long or available. It just shows you, guess what? These classic films are films that people want to see on the big screen. I will say, though, I am somewhat saddened to hear that Super Mario Brothers re-release made less than Little Mermaid. But again, this is a sing-along, so okay. I guess I can somewhat, you know, forgive it. Also, too, let's be frank, I think Super Mario Brothers is just the kind of movie that you're much more likely going to have already playing at home. But hey, a win is a win, so good job, Little Mermaid. You lost to the film from the 90s, <laughs> but at least you beat Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Abomination over on us. I got so excited hearing theaters still showing sing-along versions of movies, but that movie? I know, seriously. I mean, here's an honest question. So here we're talking about... um, We're, 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 we're talking about... The sing-along of the re <laughs> the reimagined Little Mermaid that got re-released, and it was a sing-along version. Just imagine the theater. Now it didn't seem like there's a whole lot of people that went to the theaters, but just imagine the theaters. Even if it's like you know, got 20 people in it. Imagine this. Imagine this singing when you get to the Scuttlebutt song. <laughs> And you have a bunch of kids singing along. Do the lyrics just say like "chicka wah wah"? Like, does it? What, what? How do you? How do you? What word do you put for wah? Just now, imagine a bunch of kids. And again, this is assuming that there are a bunch of kids going to see this. By the way, just imagine they're like kids and adults in there, and they're all singing in unison. Wah! Oh my goodness! 
I'm going to stop myself right there. Uh, Abomination also had earlier said over on Odyssey, just got home from a long walk while being torn apart by everything, including the flying kitchen sink of the insect world. But I got the movie today, so I'm good. Okay, awesome. Glad to hear that you got it, man. And then when I say, I bet the Super Mario Brothers movie from the 90s would be able to beat the live action Mermaid. Again, <laughs> that might be a step too far, good sir. That might be a step too far, but I, I understand your, your, your sentiment for sure. But yes, it's kind of a nightmare. It's kind of a horror story to think about what a theater of people singing along to the Scuttlebutt song would sound like. <laughs> Talk about nightmare fuel. I think that there's now going to be like a new, hey, this would be my hell. My hell now, or some people's hell, would now be uh, the Scuttlebutt song on repeat. And specifically, a theater full of people singing along with the Scuttlebutt song. <laughs> Especially when you get to the check on all right, headed back into the YouTube chat. We got Rob D, who had to say, Dune Messiah is very short compared to Dune, so it makes sense. Ah, okay. Yeah, see, I don't know much about the book world of, of Dune. So glad to hear, though, that it's shorter, so one film makes more sense. That's awesome. Your average Patriot nerd, who's a member, says, Warner Brothers should re-release Dune Part 1 in theaters a week or two before Part 2 comes out. Give some people a chance to see it on the big screen. That couldn't, at the time, might work. That's actually a great idea. I mean, if you think about it, with all these films getting delayed, that might actually be something that they should think about. If, if again, they're pushing Dune Part 2 back, why see that weekend completely? Why not say, hey, we're, we're pushing Part 2 back, but in lieu of that, we're going to re-release Part 1, and we're going to, again, initially you were going to have, already you are going to have a deal with IMAX, I'm assuming, why not just say, hey, IMAX, we're going to do a re-release. Let's go ahead and say, okay, clearly we don't think it's going to make as much money as obviously a brand new film would make. But let's let's try and get a special re-release in select theaters and have it re-released in IMAX. You could probably make some money off of that. And then you do get the opportunity for people to say, hey, this is relevant because it's in the news. It's gotten pushed back, etc. Again, I, I think that that is something that you could absolutely you know, pull off. Now, I'm not a business major. I am not a, a financial expert. I follow the numbers and I can understand them to it to a certain degree, but I would never call myself a, a financial expert by any means. It just doesn't seem sensible to me why they're kind of seeding this ground. I don't know. Brightburn85 says, I suffered through Ezra Miller's first and only Flash movie. I really like the entire film suffers from what I like to call dumb and dumber humor. Thanks, Christina Hodson. I say sarcastically. Oh man, yeah, it's just awful in every way. I mean, people oftentimes, myself included, focus especially on just how bad the CGI is. But, <laughs> I mean, let's just be frank. There's a lot of bad things going on with that. Let's see. Uh, Kimberly G, who is a member, says, I'm probably not going back to the theater till Dune 2. Oh, man. Um, again, I understand that completely. I do feel like, and I always blank out on on films that... that might actually be good set to come out still this year. Again, Dune, Dune Part 2 was obviously like the next big one. But um, I don't know. There's there's one film set to come out. It's an independent film or, or an indie type film called Dumb Money. And it, it's going to, it stars one of my favorite. I've mentioned this on the Chosen stream this past weekend. It mentions obviously one of my favorite actors, Paul freaking Dano. And it's all about the GameStop stonk uh, situation. And there's some people in the film, obviously, who are associated and connected to the film that I just don't care for. I think Seth Rogen's in the film, which is always just like, ugh, I don't want to deal with him. But it's actually, a very, it sounds like a very interesting, you know, it's obviously very timely. It, it It's not too far removed from when the event itself actually happened. 
and it, it could be fun. It's again, just to be reminded about how a bunch of hedge fund managers got, got, you know, lost a bunch of money just to be reminded of that. And to, to see that dramatize, I don't know that that just kind of makes me happy. So that's the kind of movie that I'm, I'm drawn to that kind of schadenfreude of like, Oh, I get to see a dramatization of these people who are despicable losing millions and you know, millions upon millions of dollars. Okay. Yeah, I'll go see that. <laughs> and it's got Paul freaking Dano, of course. Gum 3 po to say, I blame Ryan. Oh, for the whole ist thing? Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, he's got a track record, you know. Uh, Rom D, to say, the Gran Turismo film makes me wish the 2016 Ratchet and Clank film didn't flop and that the Sly Cooper film didn't fall through. Uh, let's see. Laura says, I read Dune Messiah, but all I remember are these women assassins called fish speakers. What? <laughs> what is this? A fish speaker, you say? What do they say? Brightburn, meant to say, really feels like. Really feels like. Okay. I don't see the context that would have that make sense, but okay. <laughs> Appreciate the clarification anyway. Uh, feeling dangerous, 113. Thank you for the $2 super chat. Says, hello, like your videos. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you for the super chat. We got Hardwick. Time to say, I've never seen Boonock Saints, so I mostly know Sean Patrick Flannery as Indiana Jones from the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Interesting. Yeah, I never saw the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but Boonock Saints is fantastic. It's a cult film. Uh, it's got some stuff in there that is definitely inappropriate for sure. And the, the theology, of course, in it is quite dubious. You have two you know, quote unquote, Catholic brothers with their, you know, really cool. <laughs> they are really cool rosaries, but then also they're, they're basically, we're on a mission from God, uh, where they believe that God has tasked them with, um, destroying and wiping the, you know, wiping off the face of the earth, the scum and villainy of, of their town, of their city of Boston. It's again, it, it's one of those films where it's like, okay, in reality, it's got issues, but Hey, as a as a film that's clearly you know a fantasy film. Hey, you know what? It's it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Master of Gaming says, "I think the Equalizer Three will make forty million dollars opening weekend." Yeah, again, again, that's the last thing. The other than the channel memberships we'll get into towards the end um, to talk about. But right now, we have no um, indicators of what the current projections are for Equalizer Three. But I'll go ahead and bring this up. So this was the last update that we had from Box Office Pro. So the last update has The Equalizer 3 up 7% from previous indicators, and they had the film as a range of 27 to $34 million. Now, this could obviously go up. This could drop down. The trend that I've seen in these last updates prior to, again, Box Office Pro will have an update either you know tomorrow or Thursday with what they project will actually happen. You'll also see, you know, Deadlines Box Office also have their, their own metrics updated too. But the trend that I've noticed is that they, they, they've been going up. So the closer that we've gotten to the release, the numbers have actually increased. So for instance, Blue Beetle's initial estimates were very, very low. I think it was even in the teens at one point. And then obviously its opening weekend came in quite above that, right? Not to an insane degree, it's still a flop, but still there was that, you know, percentage wise, it was a, it was a pretty big increase from the initial projection. So I would not be surprised to see Equalizer 3 sees something similar, and so your, you know, Master of Gaming, your $40 million projection doesn't seem too far off. Again, you look at this range of 27, 34, so you could see the uptick of this and the way it's trending. Maybe an opening weekend between 30 and 40 
maybe even between 35 and 45. We'll have to wait and see. Obviously, they are following metrics that I myself do not follow. Um, again, that that's not a part of the box office that I spend as much time or have as much analysis on. But it is, of course, still fascinating nonetheless. I would not be surprised, though, to see, again, I would not be surprised to see the film do about these numbers or maybe even just a little bit better. $40 million sounds about right to me. We will, of course, have to wait and see. Um, the next week, of course, Matt, my big fat Greek wedding three is actually trending downward. So again, interesting. I would not be surprised to see that. I think it ultimately though is because of, of demographics. And I think this is a good film just to bring up in this comparison, because you think about equalizer three, who is the audience for equalizer three adults, specifically a male adult audience, right? A male adult demographic. What we have seen is that that demographic can be motivated quite a bit to go see films. Right, that that seems to be one of the most consistent audiences that we've seen since in the, in the post-COVID world, as it were. What's not nearly as consistent is the older female demographic. Right, we obviously saw Barbie was able to take advantage of the the younger female demographic. Right, talking here about Gen Y, uh, sorry, talking about Gen Z, right, the Zoomers, the Millennials, even the Gen Xers to a certain degree as well. Right, those were the the major demographics that showed up, and obviously, you know even younger than two. My big Frank Week Wedding 3, though, let's just be frank, that, that's going to be geared toward and drawing a older female demographic. And I think what we've seen throughout the course of the last couple of years is that those movies have just not been able to move the needle as much. You know, we're talking films like 80 for Brady, right? That, that film had some projections going into it and then it just didn't deliver. So I think that's why probably you're seeing that number track downward Whereas films like Equalizer 3 are trending upward. So essentially, films that are geared towards that older female demographic just really aren't doing a whole lot. So there isn't a whole lot of space there. Whereas films that are geared towards uh, you know, adult demographic, especially a adult male demographic like Equalizer 3, we're starting to see that there is a certain range of what that film or what a kind of film like that can make. The big question is going to be, I think, are there going to be a lot of people that are fans of the Equalizer franchise that are thrown into the mix. Is it going to be able to drive enough people to go see this film who've maybe not seen the first two and all these other variables, right? So anyway, Equalizer 3, I do think that it has a good chance of making a splash. I think that it will be definitely the number one film of this coming weekend. And I really hope that Gran Turismo is able to hold its own against it. But we, of course, will have to wait and see. Uh, BMG2040, welcome back to the chat. Scott McKenzie, who is a member, says, Any circus take on Smeagol vs. Gollum inter interaction in Lord of the Rings? Another example of great tension between good and evil or the demonic or influence of sin. Oh, absolutely. for Influence of sin, sin for sure. One of the... I actually do... I have used that scene in the past. So, specifically, the, um, the, the scene at the beginning of... Is it at the beginning of Return of the King, I think? Sometimes I forget, especially when I've <laughs> seen the, the extended editions. But when he is fighting against his brother, Deagle. Oh my goodness. It is one of the best examples of the impact and the effect of sin, right? Because what does sin do? It corrupts you, right? You internalize, you, you, you again, the accuser, right? You have, you know, Gollum accusing himself, murderer, he, you know, murderer, they called us. And what happens? It's not just his spirit that's getting corrupt, but then the physical showing, right, is representative of what's happening internally, right? 
And so even though there is that small sense of hope that is still shown, he's so far gone. He's so self-consumed with, with this self-hatred because that's what sin does, right? Sin, um, you know, it, it separates us from God. It separates us from our, our friends and from our family, but also it separates us from ourselves. It literally is, is feeding into that battle of soul and body. Um, it's beautiful. It really honestly is one of the most beautiful representation of, of, of that. Yeah. Return of the King. I mean, just again, one of the best sequences and I've used that in my classroom, um, when I, when I taught sacraments. So this year, this year I've actually not teaching sacraments cause it got moved to, to sophomore year. But when I have taught it, that's a scene that I would always use when talking about uh, reconciliation and the effects of sin. So it's just, again, very powerful. Uh, Steven, time to say, you think we might get, uh, you, we might see ticket prices go down since Sunday proved that lower, uh, lower price tickets on Sunday can sell at all movie showtimes. Well, again, Steven, your experience might have been selling out showtimes. That does not necessarily mean that that was universal. I, I can guarantee you that there probably were not, again, the, the kind of numbers that we just saw for Sunday, again, we uh, remember that's $4 tickets for all these different places, but we also have to remember that that's also still not a crap ton of money so I, I for one again i don't think that that's necessarily what what they saw i think what they saw was they saw a pretty big uptick in ticket sales right from from what it typically uh would have been historically that being said do i think they're going to actually change their ticket prices i i don't i i you know i wish that was the case but again Let's see. Jacob Wiseman says, I'm fired up because I listen to Father Huko talk about evil in movies today. Okay. Always non sequiturs, dude. <laughs> try, try and connect some try and connect some thoughts together. Let's see. Steven, have you seen Equalizer before? As I mentioned, yeah, I've seen part one and part two. Uh, Miss Modern Muses, what's going on, Miss Modern Muses? Thank you for being here. Orange Hour Views, who is a member, says, Odin, have you seen Training Day? Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke Hood movie, but might be a bit much for you. Swearing, yes. No sexual stuff. One nudity scene. Did my final mystery review on it. Yes, I have seen Training Day. I finally got to see that. Actually, I saw that for the first time over the last year or two. And uh, yeah, it's a solid film. It's a movie that was not what I was expecting. I didn't know really what to expect from it going in. I guess because I heard Training Day. And I thought it would be a little bit... I didn't think that it would be specifically a guy getting trained on the job you know, as, as an officer kind of thing. Um, I think I was thinking more military because I had not seen it or really read anything about it prior to watching it, which I think actually was, was one of the better things to do because it was solid. General Wingster, time to say, fun fact, the first two Gran Turismo games are the top two best-selling games on the original PlayStation. And General Wingster, I'm glad you bring that up because, again, if... if <laughs> uh, I'm going to bring this up again. Yeah, that just goes ahead and shows you just because you have a best-selling video game and a very massive IP doesn't mean that you're going to get a bunch of ticket sales. Best-selling games? Well, wait a minute. Why Why isn't Gran Turismo making all the money? It's doing okay, but anyway. <laughs> Orange Hour Views. Odin, before you knock Godzilla minus one, the CG looks very well done. It outdid Shin Godzilla, and that was also good CGI. Well, again, I do want to clarify... I was only going against specifically the massive, you know, hundred plus million dollar budgeted films. I'm talking again about Godzilla versus Kong. I'm talking about those movies, those films 
and I've got I've I've butted head with people in the chat before who who like those movies. I think that those films are garbage. I, I just I don't think they're good. And I think that it's just really bad CG and giant CGI monsters fighting. I've heard I have not seen Shin Godzilla, and I'm pretty sure Godzilla minus one is of that same uh genre, right? Or of that same uh era. Maybe not from the same company. But it's not a part of the ba- it's not beca- it's not a part of the massive corporate machine. I'm going after the massive corporate machine movies, not going after the smaller films that are costing a lot less money and are probably telling you good stories or at least you know uh, conveying the story well. Because again, when you say Godzilla minus one, I want to say or I think again from my mind, I feel like that is not a part of the massive monsterverse. I could be wrong on that one, but again, I'm going after the massive monsterverse films, not any of the other ones, because I have not seen specifically Shin Godzilla, but I've heard good things. Uh, Stephen, I say your thoughts on Ahsoka? It's boring. It's it's incredibly boring, and it's a waste of time. If you need help falling asleep, watch it. <laughs> Let's see, Jeremy Zakowski, uh, GXK is part of monsterverse, while minus one is Toho standalone film. That's what I thought. Thank you for thank you for clarifying that, Jeremy Zakowski. Yes. So that's what I was saying. Yeah, so I am not knocking minus one or or the Toho. I am knocking GXK Monsterverse films. The Monsterverse films, ugh. No. Laura says, I've got a bad feeling about Dave Filoni's upcoming movie, if he even gets it. <laughs> Are you talking about his upcoming uh his upcoming Star Wars film? Because I mean, obviously, first he actually has to get there, and what we've seen from Disney is that they're continuing to delay and and to cancel projects. <laughs> so he actually has to he has to get to the point where he's making the movie. But I also agree what 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 Ahsoka is showing us is that Dave Filoni can't write live action. I mean, we already saw a bit of that because I think he also was a part of the writing team on some of these other live action uh, Star Wars shows. But it's again. This is his baby, right? If he was going to write compelling television, if ever he was going to write it, it would have to be for this story. Because we're talking about Ahsoka Tano, right? That, that's coming directly from him, right? This is, this is his baby. We're talking about rebels. We're talking about characters and stories that he should know better than anyone else. And this is what we're getting? We're getting retcons, or at the very least, very poorly explained you know, movements from point A to point B. We're, we're getting very boring, uh, slowly, again, and when I say slowly paced, I don't mean, well, you know, it's slowly paced and so it's a bit on the slow side. No, I mean painfully, painfully slowly paced. If this is what he's going to do with Ahsoka, imagine what he's going to do with anybody else or anything else. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. General Wingster Thank you very much for becoming a member at the Citizen of Asgard level. And then, boom, he upgraded. Thank you for becoming a member. Or, sorry, thank you for being a member at the Citizen of Asgard level for five months, I should say. Thank you, good sir. And uh, I'll go ahead and bring that up now. Uh, so that way, the rest of the stream can be focused on on the chat. So if you have a comment that you've left on Rumble or Odyssey or on YouTube, I will be getting to it in a second. But... That reminds me that, hey, yes, there are going to be some membership shakeups. So I've already posted about this on various levels and various places. Uh, if you were on Subscribestar, I posted it in the tab there. Subscribestar, I like it as this alternative platform, but it, in my opinion, it has one of the worst 
uh, ways of contacting people, right? With, with Patreon, at least, there are great notifications with it, and it's easy to send out a, you know, a direct message, basically, to all of your members. Subscribestar has always had kind of issues with that, but I, I like to keep it up because I do know that there's a lot of people that enjoy and prefer that platform. But there are going to be some shakeups. So these are not going to go into effect until September. So Friday is when these are going to go into effect, just so you all know this. As many of you know, I am uh, about to be a father for the second time. So my, my baby girl is, is on the way. Likely will we'll be here towards the end of September. Um, and that means that I'm obviously, when that does happen, a lot of the stuff that I already do is not going to be possible for a while. So expect me to go on you know, a bit of a break on the, you know, from the channel for at least a little bit while, while we, you know, take care of family, as you all know, family comes first, God, family, and then friends, etc. So just be ready for that. So we're talking here close to, you know, September between September 18th and September 22nd or so likely going to be, uh, when things, when things go down, right. <laughs> when li life is brought into the world once again. So when that does happen, we will not have the box office breakdown for at least a couple weeks, probably a week or two at least. And then also the, the streams will, will I, I don't, again, obviously I will keep out posted with that as, as quickly as I can have, you know, of course with things. So, and again, because of that, again, regular schedules already gonna be disrupted, but I also am looking ahead because obviously I've had tiers where there have been certain things that have been attached to those tiers and I've decided to shake certain things up. And because of some of the shakeups, I decided to move some content around and so here is going to be the change as far as the new membership. So if you are already a member and you are thinking of changing because of these changes, I understand. Um, if you're not a member and you're thinking, oh, I think I could become a member for that, then hey, thank you. So here are the new memberships. All right. So first off, Citizen of Asgard. So start off at the base level, Citizen of Asgard. Um, what you will be doing is you will, of course, get your special Discord privileges. So if you join the Discord server, if you sign up through Subscribestar, it does it automatically. It should do it automatically with Patreon, but I know Patreon, it's not as easy to be able to connect with Discord. At least I've had issues with it. But on Discord, you do get obviously acknowledged as a uh, as a member there. You get also access to Patreon-only text and voice chats. Uh, but the biggest thing, though, as far as changes are concerned, is that as of September... You will then get access to the OMB podcast. So as many of you know, because I've mentioned it, I did podcasts for a very long time with John the Flippic Flickinger. Um, we, we are kind of going our separate way, ways right now. Uh, you know, we're, we're fine. We're just, you know, different parts of life, things like that. But the podcast is still going on. So most of the episodes that you will get access to at that level are going to be featuring me and John the Flippic Flickinger. But I've done recent episodes with Carrie Smith. I've also done a couple episodes with Michelle from Force Light Entertainment. And they're probably going to be recurring uh, guest, guest spots there. So you will get access to that. So yes, at the, at the $1 tier, at the Citizen of Asgard level, you get access to the once a month podcast that I do. And also that means you'll get access to the Q&A post. So if there's certain questions that you've always wanted to ask, maybe questions that didn't seem appropriate for the live stream or, or anything like that, hey. That is going to be an opportunity for you. So again, as of September, you'll get access to the OMB podcast. The next level is the Army of Asgard level. So you get everything from that previous tier. And also, if you're at the Army of Asgard level, and also the one thing I'm also doing is this will now apply to all, all of the areas. So this would include YouTube memberships. And that's going to be a slight change for a couple of these. All right. 
So anyway, Army of Asgard level, right? If you join the Army of Asgard, you'll get everything from the previous tier. Plus, your name will be listed at the end of every live stream and video. So it's a, it's basically a text shout out. You always see at the end of my videos, I've got the list of people who are members on YouTube, members on Patreon, etc. So at the Army of Asgard level, again, you get the podcast and you get your shout out there. And again, it's a, it's a big thank you for your support. Uh, the next levels have probably the biggest changes. Uh, so first off, the Keeper of the Bifrost level. Again, that's $10 tier. So you get everything from those previous ones, plus you get exclusive access to a channel on Discord where I host giveaways. So I have a couple people in the chat right now who are part of this level. Orange Hat Reviews, of course, King Mod here. And I think he can tell you that it, it's a pretty cool place to be. So I I have already a lot of, a lot of movies. I just today actually ordered a, a ton of films, including some Criterion films, uh, pre-ordered some films as well. And in this Discord channel, I, I run these giveaways. And so you get essentially a guarantee that you're going to get something <laughs> almost every single month. Can't guarantee they're going to get something every month, but almost every single month. Um, and I always try to, if uh, for any reason I get delayed, um, I try to, for instance, right now I've got open a giveaway that is, again, basically a giveaway meant to ensure that everyone will get something. So obviously if that grows, that might become a little more difficult, but it is something that I love doing. I love being able to, to buy films and to, to give them away and, and just to do that. It's just something that has always been a passion of mine ever since the channel started and I was able to actually do that. So that's again, uh, the biggest perk with, with that level that will now also include YouTube members. So starting in September, I'm going to be posting the Discord link for you to be able to join that server, and that way you'll get access to those giveaways, all right? So anyway, just, just know that that will start in September. You'll want to look to the community tab on YouTube. All the other platforms, those links are there. And of course, at any of these platforms, if you're ever like, hey, I need to find this, or where is this, or how do I figure that out, you can always message me. It's also one of the perks of using something like a Subscribestar or a Patreon you do have the ability to message, which again, I can always walk you through how to how to get access to that. That's the key of the Bifrost. So that means that the one thing lost from the key of the Bifrost is the verbal shoutouts. So the verbal shoutouts will now exclusively be for that last level, the Chosen of Valhalla level. So because this is really why a lot of these changes are happening. So because of new life being brought into the world, I will not be able to uh, keep up with the Chosen of Valhalla live stream. So that is going away. So because the Chosen of Valhalla stream is going away, um, the Chosen level is going to have all of the previous tiers, plus you will get access to the Chosen chat on Discord, so that will still be there. And also that will be, again, a bit more of a, like a primary access type thing. The big thing, though, is that you get a verbal shout-out at the end of every single video or live stream. So the verbal shout-out means if you have a channel that you want shouted out, you can get a shout-out out then. Or if you have a special message that you want shouted out, as long as it's appropriate, of course, you get access to that too. So that is now exclusive to the Chosen of Valhalla live stream, or rather the Chosen of Valhalla uh, membership. So hopefully those make sense. Again, I understand if this is going to change anyone's memberships uh, from previous tiers, but uh, hopefully you also can understand it. I always appreciate my 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 uh, uh, my members here on the channel and just, again, everyone here on the channel because you guys are awesome and, and I love you. So hopefully it didn't take too much time away. And let's go ahead and jump back into the stream. So first off, over on, let's see, over on Odyssey Abomination says, imagine the look on their parents' faces when they realize what their own children are singing. Bount Chicka Wow, exactly. Going back to the <laughs> Little Mermaid live action sing-alongs. 
And then he went on to say, River can take over the streams. Yeah, if only River had the ability to, to do that. I actually did set up a secondary uh, dog cam, but I don't know if it's working. So we might see a massive black screen. Oh, there it is. Oh, look, it's working. Okay, it just needed to be activated. So uh, anyway, so this is actually, uh, I have one of those, oh, it went away. I have one of those wise cameras. And so because of that, I was like, hey, I wonder if I could actually get that stream uh, to work. There it is. There, there it is. There it's back again. And uh, okay, it seems like it, it's working. I might have to work out some of the bugs uh, off, off stream. But anyway, as you can see, you got, you got Willow who's down in her bed and, and then River is, is lounging in the chair asleep. So how's that for a dog cam? And you can also, of course, see me next to my computer. And don't pay attention to the cables behind my computer, to, to the rat's nest that's there. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, Kinkane Rumsky over on Rumble says, I just watched Hot Fuzz for the first time over the weekend. The guy who played The Hobbit was in a few scenes. Funny. Oh, it's a fin. Oh, it's a phenomenal movie. If you've never seen Hot Fuzz, stop what you're doing and, and go watch it. It is so, so good. <laughs> oh, I love it. With a great big bushy beard. Love it. All right, back into the YouTube chat. We got Sahil. What's going on, Sahil? Time to say, on the bright side, Barbie doesn't look like beating Maverick's domestic gross and maybe even its worldwide gross. Well, again, it's I think it's, too, it's still too early to say that because if you look at the numbers comparing Barbie's dailies, it's performing still along a very similar pathway. So, I again, personally, I think it's going to be difficult for it to beat Maverick, but I wouldn't say that it, it's impossible at this point. In fact, domestically, I think it is. I think that Barbie's absolutely going to beat the domestic of, of Maverick. It's the international, or is it the other way around? I, I forget. <laughs> Great Wuda. You have a better chance selling me a bridge than these movie studios and theaters make movie tickets more affordable. Ah, See what you did there. Uh, I don't know what that is supposed to be. If that are you just trying to say Gran Turismo? I don't. I don't know. Let's see. A bruise. What's up, brothers? Tad to say hello. Sorry, I'm late. I was online gun accessory shopping. I just completed my third polymer eighty build. Oh man! And now Bruce is on a most wanted list. <laughs> Thanks for joining, Bruce. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> and hey, government, leave Bruce alone. Okay. He's a, he's, a, he's a good person. He's good people. He's good people, man. I tell you. 34 people still watching. I appreciate y'all's love and support. I know that Tuesday night's main event's probably already started. Let's see. IMJMS says, what 24 movie do you think could make a billion dollars? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's hard to say because we don't even know what is confirmed to be coming out in 2024 because things are still in a state of flux. Uh, Jacob Wiseman says, don't need to tell me you're not reviewing The Nun. I could tell by listening to Anthony Stein. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, I have no I have no desire. Shout out to Dr. Stein. I have no desire to see that movie. It's freaked out. By the way, I unfortunately, uh, it was before Gran Turismo. I finally saw the trailer for the new, um, for the new Exorcist film. Oh my goodness, no thank you. And, and again, that's kind of a testament to it because it looks really, really creepy. But, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. No, thank you. Not not for me. I was freaked out just from watching the trailer of that film. 
Jetta Wingster, going back to my joke from earlier. So, yeah, this was back at 741. This is to show you, I fall behind in the chat. My big fat Greek nun sounds like a Leslie, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen feature. Like I put Leslie Nelson. <laughs> it does. It honestly does. Uh, Kevin Wang. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2 has to compete with Despicable Me 4 and Mufasa the Lion King in its second weekend. Uh, again, that, that's right now. Theoretically. That, that's if even those films stay on task, which I don't think there's a whole lot of evidence to suggest that they will stay. Uh, Forever Sci-Fi, 44,000. Imagine the poor parents who have to watch their kids sing along to that Aquafina song. Yes, yeah, seriously. Aquafina. That's so bad. It's so, so bad. General Wingster, who's a member now. Thank you, General Wingster. Jurassic Park is just as old as I am. Dang. <laughs> Some would say, oh, you're a young whippersnapper. I think I'm only a couple years older than you. I'm an 88. Uh, Rob D, honestly, Disney should release their animated classic in theaters along with their direct-to-video sequels back-to-back. I mean, seriously. Uh, imagine Aladdin 2 Return Jafar I know it doesn't have Robin Williams so it doesn't. it's not nearly as magical but it's better than a lot of the stuff <laughs> coming out Nick Braun says uh, the Scuttlebutt song would break the most hardened criminal if they played it during an interrogation oh yeah I mean you, you hear about all the things that happened during uh, all the things like Guantanamo and the things that happened during war Oh man, you you've got a new a new arrow in your quiver. You have a new weapon in your arsenal. It is the Aquafina song, <laughs> Scuttlebutt, <laughs> on repeat. Actually, no, just take that one part of the Aquafina song of the wah wah. That that will break anybody. Michael A. Who is the better Mario, Captain Lou Albano or Bob Hoskins? I don't know a whole lot, to be honest, about Captain Lou Albano, so I can't really make a fair comparison. I'm not the biggest Mario person in the world, so if that's a well-known entity in Mario, I'm, I'm sorry, but also at the same time, it's, 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 not my, uh, <laughs> it's not my strength. So when it comes to Bob Hoskins, though, hey, Bob Hoskins is a legend. Even in a bad movie, he is a legend. And Mac, what's going on? Gum3PO, the sing-along animated version is already on Disney+, Plus, so it would make it even funnier if it beat the new one. Yeah, I know, right? General Wingster, do a double feature for Dune 2. Have an intermission for my bladder, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like there was a trend for a long time when you had a lot of these like huge fan events. So you, you would have like, hey, this is the second or third film in the franchise, and so we're going to have all of them. I think those still happen. They just don't seem nearly as common. Maybe it's just because of the kind of movies that are coming out. Kevin Wang, they might push the Marvels up a week since Dune Part 2 is no longer in. Yeah, I've heard that rumor too. And, I mean, that's an interesting thing to me is that is that because Dune's been pushed, the Marvels hasn't. So if if this strike continues to go on, there could be a point where the Marvels is not even going to be able to think about moving up a week because it's going to have to push back itself. Remember Sci-Fi, the ID3 Super Mario movie is coming to Japanese theaters in 4K on September 15th in honor of its 30th. Maybe we can do a Japan box office comparison then. Oh, dang. <laughs> I mean, that's an older film. I don't think that's... I already think on paper, it's just not going to do well. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Wayward Noodle. Down in Marco Island, Florida, 
Think you're in Florida as well. Not sure. Hurricane is smacking us pretty good. Hope you stay safe. I'm not. Uh, I do have family down in the Pensacola area, which I know is not being directly impacted. It's more more the Tampa area. But uh, hey, brother, stay safe. Um, I don't know where Marco Island is in comparison to uh, to to the Tampa area, which I think is like kind of right in the the middle of the storm track. But yeah, anyone in the Florida area that's being impacted by this storm. My thoughts and prayers go to you as someone that's from New Orleans. I was born and raised in New Orleans, uh, lived through Hurricane Katrina, was actually, I stayed in New Orleans during Katrina, actually got to go outside during the storm. Um, that's just the kind of, you know, fam- family I have. Uh, we, we were, again, we were in a, a massive um, uh, parking garage, so it's it's not like we were unable to to, you know, to stay safe with it. But still, I understand ultimately though what it has because once everything's subsided, I think stores are, stores are fascinating personally. I'm just very much drawn to them. But I also recognize just how much damage they can cause. And obviously the damage that was caused to, to, to my house was nothing compared to some of my friends. You know, we had to gut our house and we had to uh, live in another you know state actually for, for several months. But I was always very thankful because like I still have a house. I, I still have my, my things. I, I still have memories. I had friends that had 10 feet of water. I had friends that lost everything. So uh, my thoughts and prayers are with you, dude. I get because I, I know what a storm can do. So stay safe, man. Brightburn85, the first thing I said I meant to say, the Flash feels like it has a dumb and dumber humor. A second writing. Okay, gotcha. That makes more sense. Yeah, and the 200 limit is definitely harder. Orange Hat Reviews, Boondock Context, destroy that which is evil so that which is good may flourish. Yes, that scene ordained by God. Dota Wingster, you will never have anything cooler than Defoe conducting a men's choir while a shootout happens. I mean, yeah, seriously, like that sequence of, it's, it's a firefight. So, so good. Defoe is brilliant in that film. No, no other reason to watch the film than see Willem Defoe. Brightburn 85, by the way, it really sucks that Warner Brothers prior to James Gunn can only either uh, grim, dark, edgelord crap with Zack Snyder or what Andy did with the Flash, jury's still out on Gun. I think Gun is not going to do much of anything. I think Gun's kind of already shown his hand in a lot of ways. All right, Rob D says, "Don't think projections are out yet, but I'm curious to see how expendable expend for it's expendables. Expendables does in theaters quality-wise. I hope it's as good as Expendables 2. I have no desire to see it. I, I'm Expendables was fine. Expendables 2 was okay. After that, I was like, I have no desire to see any of these things." Bruce says, I'm all in for Equalizer 3. I own and love the other two. Yeah, they're pretty good. It was Return of the King. Glad to hear it. Yes, extended trilogies are the best. Absolutely agree. Miss Minosaka fan, thank you for the correction there. Deagle is not Gollum's brother. He is, a, he is his friend. I just think that the way, the reason why I, again, book versus movie, the way that the film presents it, I think that's kind of like the, I would not be surprised if a lot of people have the assumption of that watching the stream if they're not someone that's like an expert or knowledgeable of the books i make no bones about it i have you know my, my dad read the books to us when we were little but a lot of it unfortunately just not not stick that all, all that much orange says oh odin you cannot end the stream before you acknowledge that 26 years ago the world ended in nuclear fire and the machines took over happy terminator day it is terminator day how do you what do you know about that King of Rumble, go run Rumble. Do you blame Chris Pratt for making you eat that slice of pizza? <laughs> no, 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 no. Abomination over on Odyssey says, come over to Odyssey. We get 300 characters. Yes. All right. We got a few minutes left. And so I think I mentioned this uh, last year that the, um, 
<laughs> so we are doing a family uh, fantasy football draft. I don't like f- football in general. I, I kind of just stay away from it. But uh, I my my nephew, who is at this age where he is just obsessed with sports, he last year got all of us to get into a fantasy football league. So we're doing it again this year. By the way, I won the league. This guy who has no knowledge of fantasy at all somehow won. So, of course, this year, what pick do I get? It was out of a hat, and I got last pick. So, uh, and, and the quarterback I was going to go with because he was my quarterback last year is, is going to be taken. But that starts up in a couple minutes. And so I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the reason why any of that's delayed. So we're going to be ending this thing quickly. So please do not add any extra comments. General Wingster says, Godzilla Night 8 is Thomas Masterpiece. Oh, man. So, so good. Yeah, Godzilla Minus 1 is not Monsterverse. Yeah, that's why I was saying I'm not going after the Toho one. Keely Chow, happy Terminator Day. Yes, 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 indeed. Uh, and Max says, congrats. Thank you. Appreciate it. Waver Noodle, thank you very much. Thank you also for becoming a citizen of Asgard. Appreciate you joining and becoming a member. Also, thank you very much for the $2 super chat. Says, congrats again. Just became a member. Thank you, dude. Appreciate it. General Wingster, yes, Odin, but when are you starting hot tub streams on Twitch? Never. Yeah, that's disgusting. Even I'm disgusted by that. Favorite sci-fi, you need to dust your computer more often. Yeah, I know. Hardwick, speaking of Leslie Nielsen, have you ever seen Forbidden Planet? It's one of the best science fiction films ever. Nope. Uh, Favorite sci-fi, watching an Exorcist movie is like playing a Ouija board. You're just tend to... Nope, 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 nope to all of that. Uh, The Morak, uh, I'll watch The Spendables for those movies, know what they are, and play their audience. And again, if you like it, it's great. That's what I thought. Orange Chat, yeah. Deagle is his cousin, actually. I thought there was a familiar connection there. Miss Minasaka fan, my niece's 16th birthday is next week. They used to feel old. Well, happy early birthday to her. And yeah, um, just just me just me having a almost three-year-old <laughs> just, and all the things that that, uh, you know, that entails. General Wingster is throwing some shade over at Abomination saying, nobody at Odyssey is real. They're fake news and bots. Well, I wonder how Abomination feels about that. But we'll have to wait until next time because I need to go because the draft is literally starting in like seconds. So anyway, thank you all so much for watching tonight. It really did mean a lot. Hopefully we got a little bit more clarification on the Gran Turismo's box office. Some early numbers here for the um, <laughs> for the Equalizer 3. And also update to channel membership. So please, 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 please consider becoming a member today. And again, all of those new perks and changes will be going into effect September 1st. And uh, and yeah, stay tuned for more about that. You guys seriously are all amazing and beautiful people. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. A blessed rest of your week. And as always, God bless.